Good morning. Welcome. Uh, I do want to dismiss just kindergarten through first grade this morning. Uh, big kids, you're standing here with me. And so, um, and it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, I might dance, I might sing. We have no idea what's going to happen today. And so, um, it's going to be a great, great time. Uh, we had a great uh, Covenant Kids volunteer party this morning. I mean, there was food, there was people. Um, here's what's amazing about being able to serve uh, in our kids' ministry. So, um, a few weeks ago, um, I was asking Hayes um, after the service, like, man, how was it today? He said, oh, it was really good. Um, we were talking about how God gives gifts to people. I said, oh, okay. He said, I raised my hand. I told my teacher that I didn't have any gifts. And they're like, no, 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 Hayes, that's, that's not true. And then his teachers told him he has the gift of encouragement and love and he gives great hugs. And Hayes, the rest of the week, walked around like he was the king of encouragement because the second voice of a person giving up their time on a Sunday morning sowed seeds into my son. So I want to thank you volunteers because you do so many things nobody sees. And hear this, you're making an eternal impact. And I'll say one more thing. If you're not on a kid's team or a student team, even our greeting team, as a, greeting, a person greeting when you come in, People come into this building and they're barely showing up many times. Like we're just coming in here and you have the chance to be the first friendly face a hurting person sees on a Sunday. And through your smile, through your handshake, through your love and warmth and greeting, you make an impact. And as we serve people, it actually matters. And so that's not my notes at all. And so um, that's exciting. I've got a few um, announcements I wanna kind of put out there before I start preaching. First, um, this is uh, the month of August, and we are getting started back into rhythms. And Saturday, August 20th, we're going to have a worship and vision night here at 6 p.m. Um, you are not going to want to miss it. It's going to be an incredible night. I'm so excited to share all the things that God is doing or praying for this next season. And then just as time as a faith family to sing songs to God together. I mean, this morning was incredible, wasn't it? And so a chance to not be in a rush, to not have to tear down right away, but to linger as a family and worship God and kind of hope for this next season. Also, um, this is in your, your guide today, this, uh, this reminds us above and beyond initiative that we started six months ago. Um, if you're new here, we started this about six months ago with a few purposes that we as a people would learn to trust God in above and beyond way that we were doing this uh, finance initiative, fundraising initiative to raise money, to hopefully complete a building over there on Benton Road, but also to send funds out to New Orleans to our planters, Shane and Stephen. And just two weeks ago, we were able to take the money that you guys have given away and send it out to, to Shane and Stephen to bless them, to help finish off Stephen's cafe, to help Shane possibly purchase some kind of community center there to do ministry out of. Great things happening there. Now, as far as um, building updates go, uh, we have some good news. Uh, we've been approved by the MPC to build a church on that land. So that's great news. Um, and here's what, that, that's great. That's great. Just keep clapping the entire service. Um, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I like it. Um, and here's what's been really incredible to see. You know, as you do a thing like this, you always find out, oh, oh we can't do this. This is going to cost this. And we found out a few weeks ago that, like, the parking lot was going to cost way more than we ever thought it was going to cost. And then just this week, God blessed with 
with the check outside of our church to almost meet that need. And so it's just incredible to see God continually work as we take these steps. And so it's a really, really exciting time. And so uh, that is the updates for today. Um, I will tell you, uh, I am really thrilled to preach today. Um, the text we're in Philippians 1, I've been looking at this for really a, a few weeks, knowing I was going to preach this. And if you ask my boys, they're in here right now. Sorry, guys. Um, hard things can be what? Good things. That's right. Hard things can be good things. I heard this phrase, and if you know me at all, I, my kids get tired of me saying this. Well, I don't want to do Well, hard things can be good things, kids. And that just hit me in the face. And, and there's this thing in me. I heard this years ago in this video that I, that I saw that inspired me. I love that phrase. And I like that. Here's why. It's because I don't like hard things. This morning, my alarm went off, and full disclosure, I want to keep sleeping. <laughs> right? I didn't want to get up. I didn't want to get ready. I didn't want to get kids ready. I, you know, I didn't, want it, I didn't want to do the hard thing. But hard things can be good things. And here's also what I know. God uses the hard things to do something in us. He uses the hard things to do good things that help us to become and do great things. And this passage today is a great picture of the Apostle Paul and how he views the hard things. If we can, can we stand as we read God's word? Philippians 1, verse 12. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually advanced the gospel so that it's become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to everyone else that my imprisonment is because I am in Christ. Most of the brothers have gained confidence in the Lord from my imprisonment and dare even more to speak the word fearlessly. Maybe seated. This is the word of the Lord. So Paul's in prison. Uh, that's not fun, I would assume. Um, I'm a free man right now. And he's in prison writing to his friends at this church in Philippi. And what you see right away in verse 12 is that Paul sees hardships. Paul sees the hard as a way, as a means, as a tool to advance the gospel. You see in verse 13 here, it's a tool to advance the gospel in the imperial guard, into the lost around him. These people who don't know Jesus, who see this man in this hard situation, still praising God, it advances the gospel to those outside of our faith. But also you see in verse 14, it advances the gospel in the family. Most of the brothers have gained confidence in the Lord from my imprisonment. Through Paul's hard, it helped advance the gospel in the life of the people of God. And you see in Romans 3 later on, in Romans 5, excuse me, that through hardships, through suffering, we learn this valuable thing of endurance, of faith, and of hope. The gospel advances inside of us as well. So you see Paul, he's, he's in this terrible situation, but Paul sees what God is doing so Paul walks through suffering. He is imprisoned. But listen to this in verse, in verse um, 15. He says, to be sure, some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. These preach out of love, 
knowing that I was appointed for the defense of the gospel. Then others proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, thinking that they will cause me trouble in my imprisonment. So you see, Paul is in prison, wrongfully accused and put in prison. And then there's these people that are using his imprisonment for selfish gain, yet they're preaching the gospel. But look at Paul's response in verse 18. What does it matter? I'm going to stop real quick. If you throw me in jail when I shouldn't be in jail, and then someone else uses my name to like grow their own fame and wealth, I am probably not going to have Paul's response right here. He says, what does it matter? Only that in every way, whether from false motives or true motives, Christ is proclaimed. And in this I I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice. Paul can walk through the hard. He can walk through the unfair. He can walk through being mistreated, abused, and used. But his only focus is this right here, that the gospel advances. And as you study the life of Paul, and if you've been in in church at all, Paul was this man who used to um, persecute and murder Christians. And and then he met Jesus on this Damascus road. And his life was entirely changed from that point forward. And if you've read your Bible at all, if you're new to the faith or if you're not a believer at all, Paul is this man who goes through all kinds of things. His life is marked by suffering. Look at this in uh, 2 Corinthians This letter he writes to the church in Corinth about his sufferings. He says, five times I received the 40 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I received a stoning, like it's an add-on. Three times I was shipwrecked. I have spent a night and a day in the open sea. On frequent journeys, I faced dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my own people, dangers from Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers at sea, and dangers from false brothers. Toil and hardship, many sleepless nights, hunger and thirst, often without food, cold and without clothing, not to mention other things. There is the daily pressure on me, my concern for all the churches. Who is weak? Am I not weak? Who's going to stumble? I do not burn with indignation. If boasting is necessary, I will boast about my weaknesses. The God and Father, the Lord Jesus, who is blessed forever, knows I am not lying. This is the theme of Paul's ministry. And I think many times we talk about, man, Paul suffered. He's this superhero of the faith. And we hear that and we believe that. We're a bit inspired, but more than that, we feel guilty because we're not like Paul. Like if if my AC blows hot air today, it's a bad side of me. And Paul went through 45 things. And there's this thing that we don't connect of Paul's life seems like supernatural and impossible. But here is the issue is that the church of Jesus Christ, this is the theme of God's people. God's people do and walk through hard things. And we see in in the text in, in scripture that God's people walk through hard things, not begrudgingly, but with joy. There is a way that the people of God walk through hard things that we have much, much to learn from. The people of God can see how these 
things that are happening, these hard things can be good things. And so Paul is writing to his friends in Philippi because they're worried. They know Paul's in prison. There's a twofold worry. There's this worry that the gospel is not going to spread because he can't go around to spread the gospel. He's stuck in prison. But they're also worried for their friend Paul. And Paul says, no, 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 no. God is using this. God is using this hard, this hardship to advance the gospel. Don't be afraid of the hard. Don't run from the hard. God's going to use the hard. So here's our tension, and here's why I believe, I firmly believe this is a tool. This is a muscle for us in the Christian faith in 2022 in Shreveport, Bossier, that we have to learn. We believe the hard is bad, and so we flee the hard things. Most of us have kind of bought this subtle lie this is, this, is the, this is the message of the world, is that good and ease and comfort are king. And if that's not a part of what you're doing, run away from that because the hard is bad. When things go bad, we feel like we did something wrong or God is missing. We arrange our lives. We spend our money to avoid hard things. We equate hard things with misery and we equate comfort with joy. As I was thinking about this this week, for me, the biggest uh, example of this, I'll never forget, this is years ago, uh, we'd be in worship like right here and my wife uh, would cry every Sunday. And she was saying, I feel like God wants to adopt a child from China. And all I saw was the money and the hard. It's all I saw. That's all I saw. Um, and she kept crying and she kept telling me, kept crying and kept telling me. And all I saw was the hard. And then um, I was like, okay, okay, we'll do this. And then I'm like, oh, you're going to be in China for three weeks. All, all, all I did is chicken nuggets. And so I was like, this is going to be a problem for me. And so all I could see uh, was the hard. Um, that's all I could see. Um, and then even when we were in China, it was beautiful getting Hattie Jane. It was one of the greatest moments of my life, but it was still hard. I missed our boys so much. The food is terrible. Um, America wins on food, and it just, it was not fun for me. And it was like, this is hard. Um, and then we got home. And I remember our boys running to hug me and Tracy. I remember getting Hattie home, and she was playing in her little room with Hayes and Connor and I saw Hattie laugh in a way I had not seen Hattie laugh in China. I saw my daughter laugh in a way that she had brothers and a mother and a father and God reminded me in that moment that hard things can be good things. That the pain of today, listen friends, can lead to freedom and joy tomorrow. But too many times we don't have the patience. We don't have the endurance. We don't have the capacity to endure the hard. But here is the beautiful thing. And this is what you see with Paul. Paul's eyes are laser focused on Jesus. He knows two things. He knows his future hope is completely secure. He knows there is glory waiting for him. And the moment he dies, he is with Jesus. Jesus. 
And so he's like, well, if I'm here, I guess I'll be here. But I know what's coming and I am hoping and waiting. I can't wait for it. It's like Christmas for Paul. So his hope is secure, but also in the midst of the heart, as his eyes are focused on Jesus, he is loved. He is secured. He is comforted. He's not wanting for love. And so his eyes are fully secure. Here, here is my hope, and here, here is just my, my hope for us today and even next week, that I, that we cannot live lives just fearful of the hard. Where we're living lives, where they we're planning against things ever being hard. That we can learn to walk in the hard, not just walk in it, but to walk in it with joy, right? That we can be a people that walk through hard things with joy and not with bitterness and complaining. Hear this, friends. People that do hard things can change their world. People that do hard things, they walk with a joy and a bounce. People that do hard things aren't looking for this world to bring comfort, but they're looking to the ultimate comforter. The church, the people of Jesus Christ that are, that are connected to him, as my friend Dave says, that are walking in the garden with the Father, with the Father they can do hard things. But... I feel like we're woefully unprepared for the hard. And so we're going to take time these next two weeks to look at the life of Paul, to jump off from our passage today and look at the life of Paul and how we can actually walk through the hard. So today we're going to talk about how to think about hard things. Because our mind, friends, needs to be renewed today about hard things. So there's three options when we think about hard things. We can avoid it, we can deny it, or we can be transformed through it. When the hard comes, you can avoid it, you can deny it, or you can be transformed through it. Let's start first with avoiding the hard. And back to Philippians 1, and we see how Paul sees the suffering. So is it possible to avoid the hard as a follower of Jesus? Philippians 1 verse 29 says this, Paul says this, It has been granted to you on Christ's behalf, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. So the grace God gives not only gives you grace to believe, but also to suffer. Since you're engaged in the same struggle that you saw I had, and now hear that I have. Paul is saying, when I'm walking through this suffering, this hard, it's what we do as the people of God. Matthew 5, the words of Jesus, verse 11, he says, you are blessed when they insult you and persecute you and falsely say every kind of evil against you because of me. Be glad and rejoice because your reward is great in heaven. For that is how they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Persecution, suffering, hard. That's the theme of God's people, right? He says, just like the prophets before you, even the Old Testament prophets, they would say, they would do the hard thing and they weren't met with parades and parties. They were met with persecution. But we also see in scripture multiple accounts of people avoiding the hard, of seeing the, I think about Jonah, right? God gives Jonah this task to go preach the gospel to these people in Nineveh and 
he avoids the hard. Or, or the rich young ruler who, who talks to Jesus about, well, how do I get to heaven? I have done all these things I need to do. And then Jesus says, okay, go and sell all you have. And the rich young ruler avoids the hard. He can't do it. But hear this, friends. Doing hard things is a part of our faith. In many ways, avoiding the hard is actually avoiding God himself. Avoiding the hard, we're actually avoiding God himself. So there's two ways that we primarily avoid the hard. Two ways. First, we avoid by disobeying. This is very clear. We avoid by disobeying. Friends, uh, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you put your faith in him, a follower literally means to hear what he says and obey what he says. And in God's word, he, he lines out the way of abundant life. But too many times the sin in our life, the things that we want to do, we don't want to, we, we want to avoid the hard of giving up those things. The pain of leaving the sin behind. We just, no, I don't, I, I don't want to do that. I understand that might lead to abundant life, but it's just too, it's just too hard. So I'm just going to avoid that. Or maybe it's being bold in our faith. Uh, being bold in our faith, it's going to be awkward. It's going to be embarrassing. It's, it's just too hard. So we're going to avoid it. We have the greatest news in the history of the world. News that has actually changed our lives. Because it's too hard, we avoid. Maybe one of the biggest ways that we disobey and we avoid this is by just not serving others. If you have ever began to like serve people, especially people that, that are not easy to serve, the, the least of these can be hard. Uh, the, the orphan, uh, the foreign mission field, your neighbor, uh, to the church around us. All of those things, all of those people, it's hard to serve those people. And so too many times we just avoid the hard. We just step away and say, no, I'm just not going to do that. And, and what happens is we walk around with an incomplete faith. Because the habitual hards, the everyday hards of loving your neighbor, of fighting your sin, are the things that God used to prepare us for the big hard that is to come. The phone call about cancer, uh, the car wreck, the losing the job. But because we've avoided the hard and the little, we're not ready for the hard and the big. So first way we avoid is we avoid by disobeying. Second, we avoid by distracting. We avoid pain, we avoid suffering by just distracting and numbing ourselves. And friends, we have never lived in the history of the world for a better time to numb ourselves from pain. We can watch TV on Netflix for the, every day for the rest of our lives and not finish. Like we can scroll social media to where the most numb person in the world to avoid the pain. Just real quick, do a self-inventory. Don't raise your hand. But how many of you go through a hard day and the first thing we do when we get home is we numb ourselves with social media or streaming? I, I, I say because I'm probably the chief of sinners right here. But we have learned to avoid the hard, to avoid the pain by numbing the pain. And when that happens, we're never transformed through the hard. We just avoid it. And we're good at avoiding the hard. We're good. 
But I think tied for avoiding is denying the heart. We deny the heart. Here's what we do. We completely Jesus juke our pain. Comple- uh, how you doing, brother? You, you, just, you broke your leg. How you doing, brother? Oh, my, leg, my leg's blessed, brother. Yes, I can't walk anymore, but you know what? God is good. Amen. You move on, you go home, you go alone, and you're in misery because you're denying the heart. And there's this idea that we're being spiritual when we don't deny, the, when we don't acknowledge the heart. That we're somehow this super Christian because we don't say the hard thing. We don't admit our weakness. We don't admit what's bothering us or what our suffering is. That's the furthest thing from what you see in Scripture. Look at Mark 14. I read this, this, I read this passage a thousand times. And this week, I was just devastated thinking about Jesus in this, in this moment. Verse 33. He took Peter, James, and John and he, began to deep, and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. Listen to this in 34. He said to them, I am deeply grieved to the point of death. Jesus Christ told his closest friends that he was grieved to the point of death. The God-man, God in flesh, did not deny his heart. He didn't cover it up. He didn't make it pretty. He's sweating. He's in misery. Of course, his friends let him down, which we all know that happens, right? But he did not deny the heart. We, we deny this heart in two ways. There's two different extremes that we deny this heart, I believe. First, we deny the heart even exists. There, no, I'm fine. I, I'm good. No, I'm fi- really, I'm fine. We, we, we walk in just fakeness. And I think we're tired from it. What we've seen, I think, in the past 12 to 18 months in our little faith family, there is this growing segment that is tired of walking in fakeness. Said, so, no, I'm done with fakeness. I want freedom. And they've acknowledged the hard They've confessed the hard, and it's been hard. And you ask any of these women or men that have walked through this hard, they will tell you it was the hardest thing I've ever walked through but God. And so here's what I want to tell us, friends. Here's what I beg of you, what I beg of myself. Let's stop walking in fakeness. Let's stop covering up the limps. Let's acknowledge the hard. See, our faith is not about denying the hard and and appearing all nice and pretty and all together. And here's what's happened. When when we do that, it causes such a disconnect between a lost world and the church. Because, oh, we're just so good. I don't understand y'all's problems. No, that's true. The problems are here too, right? Listen, the church should not look like a a catalog of the beautiful, but it should look like a hospital for the hurting. There's no like beautiful people here. There's scarred people that say, but God, right? And we stop acknowledging the hard. We put this like veneer that's just fake. It's not real. And it crumbles at the first sign of real hard. And, And this is why many times AA is better at life change than the church is. Because a place like that, you can acknowledge the heart. And friends, the church 
must be, not should be, must be the front line to acknowledge the hard so that we can deal with the hard. So first, we deny the hard exists. Second, we deny that God is still present. When we do this, we tend to... Um, wallow in the pain we wallow in self-pity and the woe is me we deny we forget that God is present which leads to our last thought today and how we can think about the hard friends hear this today please hear this we can you can no matter what you're walking through and I don't want to say that your pain is not real pain it is real pain I know it is but hear this God can use the pain he can transform you through the heart. He can do it. Let's go back to Paul, Romans 5. Not only that, but we also rejoice in our afflictions because we know that affliction produces endurance. Endurance produces proven character and proven character produces hope. Endurance, character, hope. We can be transformed through the heart. Hear this. There are certain things that can only happen in the heart. Because it's in the heart. It's in our darkest, deepest, saddest, most hopeless moment that our eyes are forced to turn to him. So there's this great book I'd encourage all y'all to read called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. And in this book, uh, Peter Cesarzo, I don't know his name, Peter something. And um, great book though, um, Peter S. And um, he writes through these six stages of spiritual transformation. Stage one is this life-changing awareness of God. This is Paul on the Damascus Road. He, he's walking, living a life away from God. Boom, God intervenes and God changes. This is you being saved, right? You being at a, at a VBS or an event or, or a friend talking to you and God just comes in and boom, he awakens you to who he is in this new way of life and to a new reality. Second stage, the stage of discipleship. This is when you learn about God, what it means to be a follower of Jesus. You become part of a, a Christian community. You get rooted in the disciplines of the faith. And then you move to stage three, the active life. This is kind of the doing stage of the Christian faith. You get involved, you, you, you serve, serve God's people, you take responsibility, you bring your, your gifts to the table. Uh, then stage five, you, you journey outward. And, and now you're giving out of this new place of really secured love of God. It's, there's this deep inner stillness that begins to kind of be a part of your life. And in this last stage, you're transformed into love. God will keep sending events and circumstances and people and books and his word, his spirit into your life to keep moving you deeper and deeper into his love. And this love produces a freedom and a hope that we have as God's people. But if you notice, um, I did skip a stage here, full disclosure. That's a little trick of mine. Um, I skip stage four, and here's why. Because it's the stage that we tend to skip ourselves. Stage four is the wall. It's the wall and the journey inward. See, the wall compels us into this journey inward. 
for most of us, the wall appears through a crisis that turns our world upside down, that changes everything. It's through maybe a divorce, a job loss, the death of a close friend, cancer, a bad church experience, betrayal, a wayward child, a car accident, infertility, a deep desire to, to get married but to be single still, a, a dryness, a loss of this feeling with God. It's the wall. It's the first time we see that our faith just doesn't work, that we're not sensing, we're not feeling things. And I think we as a people, we're not ready for the wall. We're not ready for the hard. Listen, we have really good camp faith, right? Where you're all together, you got your matching t-shirts on, you're all, you all smell terrible and you're singing songs to God and you feel this freedom and then you go home. You go home and, and home is where the wall hits. It's where the kid gets up at two in the morning. It's where you have a boss who drives you crazy. It's where you have your own sin to deal with. The hard is there. But this, this is the big point today. The wall is not the end. What we've seen over the past few years is that we as a people have hit the wall. They turn away. They just run away. It's, it's too hard. But friends, hear this. It's when the wall, when the hard's in front of us, that God can bring us literally to our knees where we have no hope. And it's at that place where freedom can be found. So as God is allowing things to bring you down to your knees, don't get a cushion. Steer in and look to him. Look to him. Because the wall can lead to endurance. Earlier I said these little hards, right? The everyday hards are the hards as we are faithful to keep our eyes on him and walk with him through the hard, through these little hards. It produces endurance. It produces character. The kind of person who does what they say they're going to do. And ultimately, character leads to hope. And if I will tell you anything today, I believe that we are hope deficient. We are hope deficient. But friends, I want to remind you how the story ends. This light, Paul says, this light momentary affliction leads to this great glory. A day is coming when the heart is done, friends, when the work is done, when the tears are done, when the cancer is done, when the bills are done, and all there is is Jesus. That day is coming. But right now, you're being prepared for that day as you walk through the heart. And here is, here is the secret that Paul found of how to walk, how to be transformed through the heart. He kept his eyes focused on Jesus. The hard is when God changes where our eyes are looking. You know what I mean? When you go through the hard, your eyes have to stop looking to yourself because you can't get through this. Your eyes stop looking to, the, to your spouse or to your person because they can't help you through this. Your eyes stop looking to your money because they can provide the security you need. Your eyes have one place to go, and that's to him. And as we learn to keep our eyes laser focused on him, we can learn to skip through the hard, to hum through the hard, like our brother Paul and Silas, to sing through the hard because our hope is assured. Here's the good news. 
Here's the good news. When, when you keep your eyes focused on Jesus, when your eyes look back at the past and, oh, Jesus covered my past, right? And then your eyes look forward to the future. Oh, oh, Jesus has secured my hope from the future. There's nowhere for my eyes to go that bring anxiety, fear, or hurt because Jesus redeems and restores everything, church. And so we have nothing to fear. We have nothing to fear. But the issue is, is tomorrow's coming and I need you and you need me for us to be transformed through the heart. And that's where we're going to stop today. Is Here's my hope. That today our minds can be renewed with this. That hard things can be good things. And next week, we're going to look at how do we actually walk through the hard. How do we walk through the muck? But know this this week. That God is present God sees, God, near, God hears, and God is near. And he is using the hard to do a great, great work. So I got two next steps for us today. Two next steps. First, I would encourage you. You got a card, right, when you came in? Please talk to me. Please. Oh, that's right. Thank you. Listen, I don't have a lot of friends. I really don't. This is my friends right here, guys. And so um, please talk to me on my card. Uh, because here, here's why I believe it's important is... We've walked through God's word. And I believe God is leading us to a response. And so just on your card, just write your name. You've been here before. But on your card, just let us know what God is doing. So here's the, the two things. First, take an inventory. Ask this question. Are you avoiding or are you denying? Be real honest with yourself. Are you avoiding your heart? Is there sin involved? Are you numbing yourself? Or are you denying? Are you just not being honest? Are you hiding the real suffering and pain you're walking through? So first, do an inventory. Second, this week, I want to challenge us to renew our minds. That, that scripture, Romans 5, 3 through 4. I would love for every man, woman, child, teenager to memorize those passages this week. Romans 5, 3 through 4. To renew our minds with the truth of what God can do through the heart that he produces endurance and character and hope because tomorrow I'm going to forget that, aren't you? So this week I would encourage you to commit yourself to memorize and meditate on that truth. Last thing, to the person in this room right now, that is walking in like you're in it right now. Like nobody knows, but you're walking in the heart. And you are beat down. Our, our teachers in Catamite Fiddles this week, you're tired. Um, and I think the biggest thing you feel is alone and hopeless. Hear this today. Jesus sees you. He not only sees you, he can fully sympathize. Friends, our father, our God, he's not a distant God. He was grieved to the point of death. And that was before his friends fell asleep. <laughs> our Jesus, and if you don't know Jesus today, man, come talk to me in the back. I'm sweating, but I'll try to stay away. Because I want you to know about Jesus. Because Jesus sees you, he's near you, 
And he fully understands the pain that happens in this world. But here's the thing. Jesus will transform the pain. Just come to him. Whether you're not a believer or you've been, you know, 100 years in the faith, today's the same step. Come to him. Come to him, all who are weary, all who are heavy laden, and he will give you rest. Let's pray. Father, it's been, um, been a great day worshiping with your faith family. I really ask the people in this room would just feel loved by you. As we're wrapping up, we can take communion and, and sing together, that I just really ask that no matter what we're walking through, they would just see that they are seen and known and loved by you with a perfect love, with a steadfast love, with a merciful and patient love. You're good to us. Father, we love you. We ask, we pray all this in your name. Amen. Um, now we're going to move forward with uh, communion. Now, if you're not a follower of Jesus, this is a, a, a time for people that are a part of the Jesus faith and Jesus family. So this is not for you. So I would encourage you either sit and reflect or come talk to us in, in the back in the prayer team. But this is for the church. This is for the hurting. It is for those that see Jesus as the better. And so um, as you come today, be reminded that he is present in the midst of the heart. The body and the blood remind us of that eternal truth. So I'd encourage you, uh, reflect, talk to God, come talk to us in the prayer team in the back, and then when you're ready, come and partake.